0: And in case you forgot, or in case you weren't here last week, the series that I have been preaching and going through is from 1 Peter. And we're going to take our time to go through this, as I said last week, and however long it takes us, it takes us. And however often I'm up here, we're going to talk about 1 Peter and talk about what God is teaching us through 1 Peter. Last week we talked about hope. And we talked about where our hope should be. Our hope is not in earthly things that can be destroyed and taken away from us, but our hope is in eternal things, things that last forever. And this morning, we're going to turn our attention to the next part of the passage. We're likely going to probably make it from... 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through probably about 21 is about where I have us trying to get through here this morning. And this morning's message, I think, is crucially important for our lives as we live them. And I think that it is crucially important for how it is we carry ourselves and how it is we act. But I have to be honest, this morning's message is not going to be easy to receive I think there's going to be points where you struggle with some of the things that I say. I think there's going to be points where maybe you wish I wouldn't say some of the things that I'm going to say. But I want to tell you that this is what the Word of the Lord says. And I want to tell you that this is what God has laid on my heart to share with you this morning. And I believe it's important for us as we live out our Christian life. I believe that it is so fundamentally important that... For me, as a speaker, I'm not uh, a kind of crazy go hard, but this morning I feel like going crazy hard and making you aware of what I'm trying to tell you. This morning's message, I hope you hear with love from me that I have for you, but I hope you hear with its intended purpose to correct and to draw you back. So I hope you hear both of those messages this morning. 1 Peter, Peter 1, verses 13 through 21. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in in ignorance, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's works impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it challenges us, it calls us to live a life that is holy. Lord, it challenges us to live a life that is different from the world. Lord it challenges us to live in accordance to your word first and foremost. So Lord as we hear your word proclaimed this morning may it resonate within us. May we hear it, receive it and may it not fall on deaf ears. Lord may we be receptive to what you have for us. Lord speak through your servant this morning. I'm I'm here only because you have called me, Lord. I serve because you have asked me to serve. And so empower me this morning to preach your word faithfully according to what you have shown me. In your name we pray. Amen. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. The reality is that the Christian life is is not one of sitting in your armchair quarterback, relaxing and watching and doing whatever you want. There is action implied. We are to be prepared for the battle at hand. There is a battle for our souls. There is a battle for our mind. There is a battle going on around us prepare your minds for action be self-controlled we're going to come back to that in a moment set your hope fully on the grace to be given to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed that word we talked about last week hope set your hope fully on the grace to be given where our hope should be is on Christ it's to be set on him and on what he does. Our hope is on him. If you were here last week, we talked about this in numerous different ways. About how our hope is not in earthly treasures. It's not in a job. It's not in our financial situation. It's not in anything the world can provide. But it's in our heavenly father. So we, had our, we set our hope on Christ. Christ. But this is where we're going to stop this morning and really hone in and focus on what God is telling us. Verses 14 through the end of 21. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. There's two parts to this verse that I think are crucial. There's the first part, which is actually the second half of the passage. It says, you lived in ignorance, the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. There is a time when we lived in ignorance. Even for those of us who were saved at a young age, and I can count myself in that bracket, uh, I was saved at the age of five, so maybe five. Maybe my sinful ignorance is only for a short while, but I would argue that we still live in ignorance sometimes as we grow in our Christian faith. There are things that we don't Fully see clearly at times. And we need to have our hearts and our minds drawn towards them so that we can be made aware of them. It says here do not be conformed to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Do not be conformed. Do not be made like. Do not become like the evil desires. Your homework for this week is going to talk uh, about those evil desires. It's going to talk about what some of those things are, but I'm going to quickly highlight them here in just a second for you. But I felt it was important enough that it gave it to you as your homework so that you could read the full context of the passages that we're going to just briefly highlight this morning. There's no way possible I can go into all these passages and help you to understand every single thing and do a good job of breaking down the passage this morning. That's why I'm giving you these homework, these passages for homework. I'm going to quickly highlight a couple of the things that you're going to see later on. I'm going to be reading from a couple of quick places from Romans uh, and in the Ephesians, but they're going to be in your homework later on. So you don't have to turn there but remember where I'm getting these from. You're going to see them later on in your homework. In verses, let me see, uh, verses 11 for, or 8 of chapter 6 in Romans, it says, "Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God." of righteousness for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but you are under grace the next passage that i'm going to have you read the next day is the same is the same uh, continue on in chapter 6 it says what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but we are under grace by no means don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey them as slaves you are slaves to the one whom you obey whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul goes on to say, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body to slavery, submit yourself to righteousness. I'm also going to encourage you to read from Ephesians chapter 5. And in in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about some of those things that we should be putting aside. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 21. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. But among you there must not be any sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because they are not proper for God's holy people. There should not be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, for these are out of place. There cannot be immoral, impure, or greedy people. There cannot be adulterers, for these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. I'm going to also have you read a couple of other places, and they continue to remind us of the sinful desires that we need to put aside. I'm not going to read all of your homework for you this morning, but I want to encourage you to really read through and understand what the Word of God says are the sinful desires of man. They are the cravings that are within us that are not of God. They are the things that draw us away from being more like Christ and draw us to be more like the world. For we are called to live a holy set apart life. Verse 14 of 1st Peter 1. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. There's a key word there. I think there's a couple of key words, but there's one I want to draw you to this morning. It says, in all you do. There is nothing that you do, there is nothing that is a part of your life, There is nothing that is going on within your own spiritual, emotional, physical way that you act that God has not asked you to put aside. All you do. Doesn't say some part of you. Doesn't say whatever you want to give up. It doesn't say those things that you choose that you want to give up or those things that you're comfortable with giving up, those things that you're okay with giving up, those things that aren't a problem for you. It says all that you do. Those things that are difficult for you, those things that are challenging for you, give them up. All that you do. There's not a call here to only live part of the Christian life. There's a call to live all of the Christian life. But just as he who called you is holy, the one who calls us is holy. There's no doubt about that. None of us would dispute the fact that Jesus Christ lived a holy life. There's none of us that would dispute the fact that Jesus Christ, who lived a holy life, was living his life in a manner that followed after the fact of God. But he lived his life 100% man and 100% God. He lived his life setting aside all the earthly desires, not in his Godhood, but in his humanly nature. He set aside the sinful desires that came against him. Everything that we struggled with, he struggled with, and by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, if we call ourselves Christians, was able to set aside those sinful desires and say, I will live a holy life. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What does holy even mean? I'm throwing around this term, and maybe you, you struggle with help me to understand what this term even means. So I understand that Jesus Christ lived a holy life. I understand that God is holy. I understand that I'm supposed to be holy. But help me to get to the point where I can connect the dots. Let me give you two definitions. One definition is a simple definition. One definition is a definition that... Is simple and I think you can take home with you. The other definition is going to be a little bit deeper, a little bit maybe harder to understand. So let me let me start with a more difficult one. This is from the Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. One important thing is the fact that no one is ever to be or can become holy on their own. There are many different elements the work of the Holy Spirit, mutual accountability, and the covenant of God. These things encourage us in the call to reflect the character of God. You go, wow, there were a lot of things that you said in there and I I don't know that I quite heard a definition. You're probably right. There's not truly a good definition of holy there. Instead, there's Actions and steps that we can take to live a holy life. Let me come back to some of those actions and steps in just a moment. Let me give you the other definition of holy. Holy, in its simplest form, is this to be set apart, separated from sin and impurity. Second part, as important, to be set unto God. We set sin and impurity behind us and we set ourselves aside for God. That's holiness. Being separated from sin and being set apart to God. That's where our dictionary definition will a little bit be more beneficial in helping us to understand What are some of the steps that I can do to actually live this out? So I have a definition that says I should be set apart from sin and be set unto God. How do I do that? From the dictionary it says there are at least a couple of things. There are many different elements. The work of the Holy Spirit is the first and foremost thing. The work of the Holy Spirit as a Christian in our lives allows us to recognize sin the holy spirit is not only a comforter he is also the one who calls us to live a life according and following in the character of jesus christ he's the one who who corrects us who draws us back when we have gone astray second part mutual accountability Probably one of the most difficult things in our society today, which says, I can do it all by myself, I can put on my big boy pants, and I can do it. In America, we're famous for saying, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We have this mindset that says, I can do it all by myself. Implied in this definition of living a holy life is that there's mutual accountability. It cannot be done by yourself. It's done with the work of the Holy Spirit, but it's done living in accountability with other people who are around you. We've talked about this in past weeks, and we've heard this talked about. The reality of living in an isolated Christian bubble will never succeed. We need to have mentors. We need to have people who are walking in the Christian life around us, beside us, in front of us, behind us, who are leading us forward. They're there to call us to a greater accountability. Mutual accountability. Calling ourselves to live in a holy life. The covenant of God is the third part. The covenant of God. What is the covenant of God? The covenant of God is the commands that God gives to us in His Word. They are the things that He says we are to do, they are the things that are in His Word that He says, live your life according to this. And you're going to read about some of these things in your homework. And you're going to see what God is calling us away from and calling us to. He's calling us away from the sinful and to be said unto God. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. For just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Since you call on a father, verse 17, who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. One of the things that struck me as I was growing up in the Christian faith and growing up in the church was this idea of being an alien living in this land. And it to- it doesn't completely make sense but it will help you to understand many of you know that, uh, I'm not an American citizen and you can all make fun of me for it later, but that's okay. Uh, I am in fact a resident alien. Yes, that is actually what I am. Okay. It says that if you, if you ask me to pull out my card, which I don't carry, it's in my safe at home, but if you ask me to pull out that card, it says on the top, I am a resident alien. So I guess I'm from outer space, you know, I don't know, Mars I guess can work. Yeah, you knew there was something, Yeah, that's very possible. But it helps me to understand this concept of living as an alien in the land. Now for me, I'm uh, very close to actually becoming a U.S. citizen, Uh, I'm actually in the final stages of becoming a U.S. citizen, should probably happen within the next year, but it still works for the purpose of what we're talking about this morning. This isn't truly where I'm from. This isn't truly my home. Although I feel at home, and for me, I consider Pennsylvania to be my home. I've lived in Pennsylvania the longest of anywhere I've lived. It's where I'm the most comfortable. It's not truly where I'm from. The same is true for us who call ourselves Christians. We are from a heavenly home. When we say we are born again, when we say that we have set our lives to live with Christ, when we say that we are submitting to his authority and receiving Christ as our Savior, we have been given a new heavenly home. We have been given a promise for eternal life that is greater than where we are now. And so we live as aliens on this land. For this land is not ours. So now here's the funny part. You're all aliens. You, if you call yourselves and are living a Christian life, are living as aliens in this land. This is not your home. This is not where you will be forever. We live our lives in a manner that is holy because we are to be witnesses of our home. We are to be witnesses of our heavenly home. We are to be examples of what Christ has called us to. We are aliens in this land. One day, for those of us who have lived our lives who are Christians and who have followed Christ, when we die, we'll go to a new heavenly home. We won't be returned to this earthly home. We have that to look forward to. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but you were bought with the precious blood of Christ, A lamb without blemish or defect. Last week I talked about the process of refining a little bit and refining gold from what you get out of the ground into something that is pure. And we see it here again. You are not bought with things that are perishable like silver and gold. The reality is is that if you get gold or silver hot enough, it becomes this kind of liquidy, nasty kind of goo that you can't do a whole lot of good with. You have to cool it back down before you can turn it into something useful. We were not bought with something that was perishable, like gold or silver, but we were bought with something more precious than that. We were bought with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb who with, who was without any fault. A lamb who went willingly to the cross. If you were here on Christmas Eve, I talked about the, the story of Jesus' birth and how impactful it was where he was born and why that, le- why that led us up to his death and the impact on what it meant to be the lamb who is innocent that sacrificial lamb who gave everything for us. He gave it all. It says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Obviously, as Peter's writing this, he's thinking about the times that he's writing in, and he's seeing some of the things that are going on, and he's writing about the fact that Christ had been revealed only recently to them, but that Christ had been preparing for thousands of years to come and to save creation and to save humanity with one sacrifice on the cross. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. The reality was, he didn't just die on a cross, for that would have been meaningless. But he was raised from the dead, which makes it so impactful. Makes it all the more meaningful, the fact that not only did he go to the cross as a sinless lamb, but that when he was raised from the dead, he conquered death once and for all. What does it mean to live a holy life? What does it mean to live a life that is set apart from sin and that is set to God? I don't know. I don't have all of the answers for you this morning. My hope is that as you read your homework this week and as you struggle through those passages... God will reveal to you what he is doing. But what I can tell you, and what I'm sure of, and what I know without a shadow of a doubt, is that God is calling us to live a holy life. He is calling us to follow in his character. He's calling us to live as ambassadors and representatives of heaven here on earth. There's a reason that we are called to live a different life. There's a reason that we are called to live different than those who are around us. There's a reason why we are to turn from evil and to do good. There's a reason why we are asked to live our lives in a different manner. There's a reason why God has laid these foundations out for us. Maybe for you, God is calling you to set aside something, something that is going on in your life. Maybe God is asking you to give up something. I don't have that answer for you this morning. But God is at work in each and every one of us who who believe in him. What I want to encourage you with is from 1 Corinthians 5. And uh, you can go ahead and put up the homework. Uh, This is one of the homework from Thursday. And I'm going to read a couple of verses from this. There are some things that I think are very clear for us. That we are called not to. And that we are called towards. I'm going to read them. And you can read these On Thursday, and if you want to read them on a different day, that's fine. 1 Corinthians 5 only has 13 verses. So I think asking you to read 13 verses is not that difficult. But I'm going to read the last couple of verses. Verses 9 through 13. And this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church who are struggling with sin. And he's telling them how to set their lives apart to live a holy life. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or adulterers. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate any with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat." What business of it is mine? What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those on the outs- outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. This is not an easy passage to read or to hear or to truly understand. But this passage is quite clear about what it says. For this passage is not written to those who are outside the church walls. This passage is not written for the person who lives next to you, who lives a a sinful life next door. This passage is written for those of us who call ourselves Christians and live our lives in a manner that is not Christian. It says very clearly in verse 11, But now I am writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is. And you have a list of probably about eight to nine things there. That Paul says, if you have a brother who is engaged in these things, he goes as far as saying, kick them out. Remove them from your presence. They're not even worthy for you to eat with. This passage is not easy for us to hear, for us to understand, for us to struggle with. But for those of us who have called ourselves Christians, I want you to be willing to open your heart to read this passage again this week. And to hear from the Lord and to say, God, is there anything within me that I am living not holy? Is there anything in my life that you would ask me to give up? Is there anything in my life that you would ask me to set aside, to be holy? First Peter says, to live holy, to set apart the sin behind us and to be set unto God. The first part is removing the sin. The second part is setting ourselves unto God, to living a holy life. The passages this week for your homework, a couple of them I've read this morning for Monday are Romans 6, 1-14. Tuesday, Romans six fifteen through 23 You cannot read those passages apart from each other. Most of you have a Bible that probably has divisions between passages. Those two passages are inexplicably combined. You cannot divorce the two and say one is not with the other and has to be separated from the other. No. These are two passages that go hand in hand. They talk about law and grace and living under both. Wednesday, Ephesians 5, 1-21. Thursday, 1 Corinthians 5, the passage I just read. Friday, Ephesians 2, 1-10, through 10, and Saturday, 2 Peter 3, 11-18. I know that what I have said this morning is not always easy to hear. And I know that what I have said this morning may have challenged you and may have stirred up within you some thoughts and some fears and some feelings. But know that I share this message with you this morning out of love. I share this message with you out of concern for you. I share this message for you because it's next in my passage, but also because I care about how you live your life. I care that you live your life in a manner that the Heavenly Father, when He's separating the sheep and the goats, does not say, I do not know you, Even though you called on my name, but yet you did not live in a manner that was worthy. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. And I want to ultimately say that I love you. And that no matter what, the Word of the Lord is for us today to clear away those things that are impure in our lives to remove the pure gold away from that impure stuff that is worth nothing, and to refine our hearts to what will truly last. Lord, I thank you for how you are ministering in our midst. Lord, you have called us to live a wholly set-apart life. Lord, you have called us to live a life that is is not easy, Lord. We have to be willing to surrender our wills, surrender ourselves to, on the cross, Lord. We have to be willing to put aside those things that we want. And so, Lord, this week may You work in our lives to draw us ever closer to You, Lord. May we be reminded of what Your Word says, Lord. May we, may we see those. Logs in our own eye and and remove them before they become impediments to those who are around us. Lord, may we see in our own life the sin before we even have to be challenged and called on it. Lord, may we see what your Holy Spirit is doing in us and may he continue to work in us and refine us and make us pure and may our faith be what lasts for eternity. In your name we pray.